0: Today's New Testament reading is the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the twelfth chapter. And Jesus began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, and put a fence around it, and dug a pit for the winepress, and built a tower, and leased it to tenants, and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son." and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord. For today's Meditation on God's Word, we welcome Pastor Kevin Robson, Chief Mission Officer of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in St. Louis, Missouri.
1: Tuesday of Holy Week, drawing near to Jesus, are his crucifixion and burial. He speaks a hard parable to a Jerusalem crowd, but there among the audience are his persistent enemies, the religious leaders of Israel, chief priests and elders and scribes. The adversaries are selfish and intoxicated with power and status, and they are grumbling and making evil plans. Whether you're for or against Jesus, his words carry meaning. The vineyard is the Old Testament kingdom of Israel, a people, a theocracy marked by offense, God's law and covenant. The winepress, a place where the fruits of genuine faith would be gathered, concentrated for the enjoyment of all. A tower from which the watchman could see the approach of the long-promised Messiah. This vineyard lacks nothing. God has planted it. He owns it. It's merely on loan, given in sacred trust to the tenant farmers, to Israel as the responsible recipient of divine grace and promise, a place meant to be overflowing with hope and joy to the world. Servants are sent by God in the fullness of time in due season to gather in the fruits of faith, repentance, Spiritual obedience, God comes, seeking faith in His promise, good works that flow out of trust in divine mercy. God expects such fruits. They are His. He is the owner of everything. Instead, what God finds is every form of idolatry and unbelief and sin. And this is where things get uncomfortable in the parable. A string of Old Testament prophets are sent, speaking warnings, calling all to repentance, preaching a powerful word of forgiveness, life, and salvation. One servant follows upon another. Many, says the text. You and I would have told God to stop at one, to go no further, after seeing the way in which the first was treated. Beaten to a pulp and shown the door empty-handed, And it gets worse for the servants who follow, persecuted, mocked, murdered. We cringe at the insane foolishness of God sending one after another. It's like watching the boxer who hits the canvas for a second time in the same round and is getting counted out once again by the referee. We hold our breath and pray that he'll just stay down, that he won't get up to get pummeled all over again. The contest is over. It's an embarrassment. Everything appears lost. But the more wicked and rebellious that Israel becomes, the more of these servants the Master sends. Finally, God does the outrageous thing. He has still another. He sends his son, his beloved son, Maybe, maybe the enemies will turn. As it turns out, some will, but others will not. And yet D- Jesus does not stop. He loves his enemies. He loves you and me. To the end, even in the face of our most horrifying sins and our troubled, terrifying rejection of his, the word of God come to us in the flesh, this Son, the greatest of those sent by God the people knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. They were shocked. Israel's favored standing was coming to an end. In killing the Lord of life, they would lose everything. No more promised land, no more temple, nothing of that which had been theirs by divine promise, all because they rejected the Son's authority and refused to deal with the Lord by faith. You can't have a church without the Christ and his death and resurrection alone for the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. You can't have a Christian without the righteousness that comes by faith alone in this crucified and risen Jesus. The architects and builders of Israel thought the sun unfit to be their cornerstone. But that's not the way God sized up his construction project for a fallen humanity. His glory is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet God's enemies, while we were no better than those murderous tenants in the vineyard, the Son reconciled us to his Father. While we were yet dead in our sins, dead in our old Adam, God made us alive to himself in Christ, buried us with him in his death, raised us to life in his resurrection, seated us with him in glory in the heavenly realm. The rejected Messiah is God's greatest sent into the world, and in him you too are chosen and beloved. Be still. Quit struggling to save yourself. God has already done that for you, in Christ. Or as a hymnist once put it, Love that found me, wondrous thought, found me when I sought it not. In the name of Jesus, Amen.
0: We thank Pastor Kevin Robson Chief Mission Officer of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in St. Louis, Missouri, for today's meditation on God's Word.